0: and thanks for joining us for another Australia Talks podcast, the official podcast of the r slash Australian subreddit. I'm DK and I'm joined, as always, by my two lovely co-hosts, RD and Panda Bear. Today is Tuesday, the 6th of June, and our topics this week are South Australia's new protesting laws and... A little bit of a weather update. We're in for a particularly wild winter. Then we'll jump into this week in Australian history with Panda Bear and finish off, as always, with the 4 bottle top question. But before we get into all of that, how are you two today, Adit? I know you've been having a bit of a shitty week. <laughs> ah!
1: <Yeah>, I... <I'm... laughs> <laughs> That's very good. I've uh, had my colonoscopy today, <laughs> so uh, I thought it's something that doesn't get discussed a, a hell of a lot, but I know that uh, males and females get it. But just for the, the blokes out there, from a bloke's point of view, I just want to go through just a couple of things with the, the colonoscopy. It's so straightforward, and the actual event on the day is is really such an easy non-event where basically all your requirement is you have to lie lie down and have a bit of a, a snooze so the, your worst day is probably the day before uh the, the steps just to take it take you through it is two days before you have to eat essentially white food chicken white bread cottage cheese and there's a whole lot of uh, approved liquids such as as black coffee uh, Gatorade, sports drinks, uh plain jellies there's a fair range of things that for one day you can really enjoy still having a feed the next day is is the day that's not the the best day because all you can do is have liquids but you've also got to have this preparation that basically empties out your entire bowels so yeah, it doesn't doesn't need much imagination uh for that one but basically everything that went in goes out and more and all the liquid comes out as well. And all I can say as a suggestion is baby wipes are your friend.
0: Um, so you're, you're feeling particularly fresh.
1: Yeah, well, it's, to, to be blunt, It's because you're sitting, on, you're sitting on the dunny and wiping yourself more than you ever would in probably a whole week. And uh, don't know how good a toilet paper brand you might get, but as soft as you can get, it's nowhere as good as a baby wipe.
0: So you can- uh, That's when a bidet comes in handy, I guess.
1: Oh, that look, that would be a luxury. If you've got one, I'd, I'd sit on one. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so look, that's, that's your, your, your worst day. It's, it's you know, chugging a, a, a litre of this, this liquid that makes you go and a couple of glasses uh, either side of that. But then the actual colonoscopy, which is something that a lot of people don't understand just how straightforward it is. Basically, it's a day procedure. It takes only a a few hours. I, I checked in at 7.30. I was out by 11.30. And what you do is you turn up. They do their paperwork. The anaesthetist comes in and you bang, just out immediately. In fact, I try as a little bit of a challenge to myself to see how long I can stay awake with an anaesthetic. And I think I managed Oh, was probably five seconds today I thought aha here I am I can fit and then I wait. you wake up in recovery that's it your bum doesn't feel sore you don't feel anything it's just bang you're asleep then you're awake and it's all done and whatever they need to do in there I had to have a couple of little things snipped out because I've got um uh, an issue with a a few things there but uh it's so straightforward and if it's something that your doctor is suggesting or your, I don't know what the current age recommended is at the moment, above 50 or something, or you've got a history in your family, it's so straightforward to get done. It's really easy and it's something that uh, if you're in two minds about doing, have a listen to what I've said, maybe speak to a couple of your, your mates. It solves a lot of potential future problems it's such a good health thing for people particularly blokes i think we're a little bit more susceptible to it and it's straightforward <laughs> you know i'd just uh i'd just say if you've got any concerns about it that's about as difficult as it gets so i know that's a bit of a share and hopefully not too much of an an overshare but i think sometimes you have got to talk about this thing as uh as uh yeah men talking to each other and it's a really good health decision to make in my opinion
0: yeah my my dad my dad gets one done I think every 2 years just as a precaution and he always said to me the worst part about it other than you know drinking the stuff and and all that but he's done it a few times now so I think he's used to that he always said that um as i understand it they sort of inflate your bowel so they can, you know, like sort of pump you full of air so they can easily sort of see what they're, what they're looking at. And he said yep. for the next few days, he's um, got the farts quite bad. <laughs> and he said that that's sort of the worst part about it is that you have quite a bit of flatulence, which really isn't isn't such a big deal, if you're honest.
1: No, no, it's it's, it's not. And in the uh, right context can be highly amusing. Hmm. So, yeah. Must look, I, right. it's 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 funny. Everyone sort of reacts differently. I don't get a hell of a, a a lot of that. I know some other people do, but yeah, it's as as he said. If that's the worst of it, that's pretty good. Must be a lot of
2: politicians that have had these colonoscopies. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and look, I would also I would also point out I didn't have a gastroscopy this time, which is where they stick the tube down the. Um, the, the mouth and I know what you're going to say but yes I do make sure to remind them to do the mouth first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can almost hear your wheels turn Good your idea. wheels your wheels turning, Panda Bear. <laughs> so, yeah. My and mate that is just as easy.
2: My mate actually told me and he had his cotton hospital, I forgot to give him the anesthetic, but then again nobody liked him anyway, so, <laughs> so that might have been why.
1: So yes, that's 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 what I've been up to. Uh, Panda bear, what about you? Um, uh, just working and studying as usual.
2: I don't think I've left the house all week except to go for a run and to go for a swim each morning. So,
1: um, yeah, apart from that, my life is fairly boring. So, um, uh, have you been doing anything exciting, DK?
0: Not really. Um, it's a bit. Crappy weather, which we'll we'll get into later on. Uh, it's, been, it's sort of been a bit crappy weather this this last couple of days. Um, but just you know, family stuff. Had a couple of mates come around on the weekend. We had state of origin, of course, which uh, as a southerner, uh, that's where we play uh, league football uh, against uh, National Rugby League, uh, Queensland versus New South Wales. It goes back to the eighties uh, and. And this year, it's played uh, three games during the regular NRL season. It's it's sort of separate to it. So, it's, it's good because you kind of get the best players from the league on either side and, and players that normally don't play together. So, it, it can it can be quite interesting. I, I feel that it's some of the best games, generally speaking, uh, of the whole year. And this week, this last Wednesday was game one it's played over three games uh Queensland scraped the win from the clutches of defeat uh and it was a very very good game uh and I'm excited for game two the teams are quite uh I wouldn't say they're evenly matched but they are they're very close uh, and and sort of probably about five years ago Queensland was for about ten years, Queensland was just dominating it, and it it yeah. didn't become boring, but it was it was definitely very one sided, and it and it's good when you don't when you have a bit of competition, you know, it makes it a bit more exciting. So, um, yeah, I think overall, Queensland yeah. have won more games in New South Wales over the whole series
2: history of the series. Yes, Yes, yeah, yeah. they definitely have, um, and and, and rightfully so. I hate to be a commentator these days. I mean, pronouncing the names is going to be very difficult.
0: Yes, there's um, a lot of younger players in the league these days from not just Australia, but there's a lot of uh, Pacific Islanders and things like that in the league these days. So it's very multicultural, it's very cool, um, and it's a bloody good sport. And if you don't like it, you should start watching it because it's better than AFL.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, the um, look, I, I, I'm not a big watcher of, of either one, but if there is a league, rugby league game I'm going to watch, chances are it'll be either the grand final or, or state of, of origin. So, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. It's good to, good to see the, that level. Uh, now, did they play in South Australia this first game or did I hear that incorrectly?
0: No, I'm pretty sure it was in Adelaide. I'm just going off memory, but I'm pretty sure it was. The the state of origin, they often like to play at least one of the games in a different state to-
1: Oh, that's common.
0: Yeah, to because oh, okay. obviously it's it's you know it's a competition between New South Wales and Queensland. So outside of those two states, it's not particularly popular. I do have a very fond memory of being in the Royal Australian Navy at HMAS Cerberus, not far from where RD resides now in Victoria. Yeah, just down the road and we were at there's a there's a, a a small bar on on the base and we were at the the bar and they had the game on and everyone had their jerseys and we were getting pretty rowdy and and i remember going to walking out of where the the sort of the the room where the footy was on and going back to the bar and just a lot of Victorians and South Australians looking at me like a, like I've changed colour, <laughs> very confused about what was going on, um, and didn't seem to understand what you know what the hell was happening, um, because you know we take it very 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 seriously. I sort of had to try and explain to them it's it's like AFL but different, you know. Um, but yeah, they they thought I'd had it. I look, must have looked like I. Had a second hearing like that, they were very oh. used So
2: actually, I can remember so. watching
0: State of Origin in Chengdu in China. Actually,
2: so there was an Australian-owned bar there, and I can't remember the name of the bar now. It was back in 2010. Um, the Australian-owned bar there had these big outside televisions, and used to have the rugby league on every night, and State of Origin come on, and the Chinese actually loved it. They thought it was yeah. fantastic. They said, where's their helmets?
0: Where's their shoulder pads? Yeah, we don't yeah, do well, that. That's
1: always an interesting interesting thing, seeing that, uh, you know, the tackling and the head-on version, and then you see something like the uh, American football. I can't remember their, their, their proper acronym for that. NFL. NFL, that's, that's it. Um yeah, it's in, it's interesting seeing the seeing the contrast between the levels of protection.
0: Yeah, protection young people. They they do. The Americans like to say that it's because they, te- you know, they're more acrobatic and they take bigger hits and stuff like that. And I think there's a little bit of truth in that. But the reality is, you know, rugby players I think on average are probably a bit tougher than the NFL players. But Uh, That will be highly controversial for our American listeners. And speaking of our international audience, this week is our one-year anniversary. We need to remember that we started as part of the Reddit Talk program. We did begin uploading the Reddit Talks recordings onto our podcast account, where you're listening to this now, uh, but then moved like into a proper podcast, Uh, made it all official, I guess we should say, Uh, once the Reddit talk program ceased in March 2023. Uh, And we just wanted to say that we appreciate all people who have been with us from the very beginning. And, of course, those who are now. Now, just joining us uh, as our download numbers are starting to grow quite significantly. Interestingly as well, like I said at the start, we do have a hugely international audience. um, And that's really, really awesome to see. So, from us to you, wherever you are in the world, thank you so much for your feedback and your support. And here's to another year and many more, hopefully, uh, for the Australian Talks podcast. Now... Let's get stuck in. South Australia has a new draconian set of laws penalising peaceful protesters. South Australia now joins New South Wales, Tasmania, Victoria and Queensland, so all the states that matter, uh, <laughs> that have <laughs> already passed anti-protest laws, uh, imposing severe penalties on people who engage in peaceful civil disobedience South Australia's new law carries the harshest financial penalties in Australia The new law introduces a maximum penalty of $50,000 or a prison sentence for 3 months That $50,000 is 66 times the previous maximum fine Previously the maximum fine was $750 and there was no prison penalty penalty at all. So if emergency services, police, fire, or ambulance are called to a protest, those convicted can also be required to pay for the emergency services costs. The scope of the law has also been widened to include indirect obstruction of a public place. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but other states have legislated longer maximum prison sentences but the $50,000 maximum fine in South Australia in this new law is by far the harshest monetary penalty in Australia for this kind of offence. More than double the maximum in other states. It also- And that, that is a huge- Like, that is a significant amount of money. Yeah. Um, it also needs to be said that this bill was rushed through the Parliament's lower house in less than an hour. But civil groups, unions, lawyers and crossbenchers have argued changes are anti-democratic and could curtail people's rights to protest. So more than 14 hours of continuous, vigorous debate in the upper house, the bill eventually passed with amendments just before 7 a.m. on last Wednesday. Crossbench MPs from the Greens and SA's Best moved 12 amendments in the upper house on Tuesday night, but only three of them passed. The biggest change was to the definition of the offence by removing the reference to the term reckless. The government and opposition wanted the definition to be a person who intentionally or recklessly engages in conduct conduct that obstructs the free passage of a public place. But using the term reckless essentially means that prosecutors don't have to prove intent and the laws could therefore apply to people who are unintentionally commit the offence. During the debate on Tuesday night, SA's best successfully pushed the word recklessly to be removed from the bill. So, that's good because that, basically, that was a catch-all type uh, situation. Uh, in addition to having the heaviest financial penalties in Australia, the legislation legislative changes also allow a court to order someone found guilty of the offence to compensate the police for the cost of responding to the incident, not just police or other emergency services as well. The legislation states that the proof of these costs can be obtained through a certificate apparently signed by the chief officer of the relevant entity. Hmm. So, if the police chief says that you owe him money, you owe him money. The burden of proof is exceptionally low. In a joint statement to the Attorney General, the Law Society of South Australia and the South Australia Bar Association said that it resulted in an effective reversal of the onus of proof. Dr. Sarah Moulds, a senior lecturer at the University of South Australia and co-founder of the Rights Resource Network South Australia, said that that puts the defendant in a very difficult situation. And I quote... It would be very, very difficult for the defendant to gather evidence to either contest or challenge any of the material that the police or relevant entity put forward before the court. End quote. Another controversial aspect of the new laws is the fact that someone can still be found guilty if their conduct directly or indirectly obstructed the free passage of a public place. This could include police cordoning off an area to deal with the incident, Dr. Mould said that it was another example of how the wording can be broadened out of the scope of offence, which had fueled speculation that the laws could be used in a variety of situations that weren't intended by Parliament. Though the Premier has repeatedly said that the government did not intend to stifle people's right to protest and to demonstrate. And I quote, It's never been the government's desire or intent to expand the scope of people who can potentially be captured by the law, he said. The government has been at pains to point out that the lawful protesters are still allowed, sorry, lawful protests are still allowed and there are no changes to the long-standing Public Assemblies Act. It says a protester participating in a lawful protest can be convinced of obstructing a public place, even if they cause a disruption, provided they demonstrate in accordance with the approval that was granted under the Public Assemblies Act. So, you have to apply for a permit for a protest, and if you breach that permit in any way, then you can be charged, given a fine for $50,000, charged however much, and I would imagine it would possibly into the six figures for the emergency services that are called to the police to beat your skull and end up with a prison sentence of three months. Now, I'm sure you both have a lot to say about this, and I am deeply eager to hear what you
3: have to say.
1: Look, it's not going to come as any surprise that I'm somewhat peeved about these laws. It it just does my head in the spin from these low life bureaucratic worms who are trying to spin this as something that is just a little bit of adjustment to the the, the laws that you can still have your protest they have they have reframed the entire protests into this tiny little box on which they're controlling each side of the box and they're just going to keep squeezing they they can't be trusted they're history shows that they will continue to repress freedoms of protest where i know we've got we i think we have our podcast down as explicit but i don't need to take advantage of that it's it's just an insane level of control and i think anybody who is in favor of this is really missing out on just how draconian there is now I agree that disruptive protests can be a pain in the neck uh, and there probably needs to be some sort of middle ground between disruption and draconian. But for 45 years since Hawke tried to, Hawke-Keating government tried to introduce the Australia card, we have seen a continual erosion of freedoms with a disturbing peak around the uh, 2001 9-11, uh, and it's been a continual downhill run for Australia S- since then. It's I This suppression of freedoms is a competition where bureaucrats win and citizens lose, and that the other states are currently only a bit behind South Australia. It's just a real concern to me. And one of the things that you mentioned there, if we can just get into the, the process of it, and you know, kudos to the Greens. Uh, I don't overly like the Greens, but I do like how they stand up for freedoms. Personally, I think they could have just not voted for it at all rather than pass amendments. But the key thing in here that really stuck, stood out and bothered me uh, was there was a quote that some MPs had not seen the unpublished bill before they passed it. That just <coughs> blows my mind that MPs don't have to read or even understand the laws for which they vote. I wrote to the, uh, the it was the the parliamentary secretary um, in the, the federal parliament, oh, it must be about 15 years ago. Just clarifying, do MPs have to read the legislation they vote on? And the answer came back is that uh, essentially, no, they don't. There's a thing as it, as it goes through, and, and Panda B, you might be able to um, clarify the technicals of that. So long as you say the bill has been read, then it's assumed that it's been read. But the bottom line is we have MPs sitting back there on their... Sitting back there not understanding the bill, not even reading the bill, not even being present at a reading, and they're voting for laws that you and I cannot plead ignorance of, cannot say that uh, our excuse is we didn't understand them. And I, I despair a little bit for the way that Australia is going. I mean, they're
0: paid, like, just over $200,000, I think. 217000 for federal MPs. Yeah, I, yeah, think, you'd I think, think
1: they could get off their arse and read a freaking bill every now yeah, and then. Yeah,
0: I, I mean obviously we're talking about South Australia but I, I, it's not I, it's about that. I don't you know, I think it's a little bit less but it's not much. Um yeah. so it, it's significant, you know. It's yeah. not Yeah, So
1: and anyway, anyone, anyone who thinks that this isn't going to go further and thinks that this isn't going to be abused and there's going I can already hear the arguments. Oh so look that's that 5,000 is a maximum. That, uh, you know, that jail terms a maximum. Judges don't do that. If it's just a maximum, it doesn't matter. Don't have it in there. The fact that it's in there tells you very, very clearly what their mindset is. And their mindset is is just effed up.
3: Yeah. If I might
2: sort of chuck in a few things there, I agree that they're a little draconian, but by the same token, um a lot of protesters haven't applied for permits to protest. Um, I can't think off the top of my head of one protest where they've applied for a permit where anybody has actually been charged. It seems to be the ones that, um, uh, how do I say this nicely, the right wing element, go out and protest without permits, without notice and that. with uh, Apart from their organisation on social media, um, the left wing, the
1: environmental protesters, right wing, out of interest. No,
2: I was going to say the left wing protesters do the same thing. They go out there and they do things like gluing themselves to the streets. Or up here in um, Brisbane, um, there's been quite a few that have hung themselves from the Story Bridge and blocked traffic um, without any notification. Um, I think in cases like that. Um, it does need to little be a little bit um, harsher. I mean, they are stopping people getting to work, stopping uh, businesses from operating because people can't get to work. Um, the things like that. I do agree. Fifty thousand dollars is way over the top. Uh, three months imprisonment is over the top. Um, as an ex-prison officer, I don't believe that prison is necessarily the way to go with a lot of offences. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I would more like them to go and do some literacy and numeracy classes and learn to read and write so they can get jobs. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's Well, I have done this on several Aboriginal communities and we cut recidivism by about 50 to 60 percent. So where people actually learn to read and write go and get jobs and um, didn't re-offend. So they had a choice between picking up papers on the side of the road or going to take classes. Which would you choose? same as everybody chose on the aboriginal communities go to the TAFE classes oh. do your community service that way um i think jail is a last resort probably 60 percent of people in jail um, are for minor offenses drug offenses um nuisance offenses um I, we had one guy i remember when i was a prison officer spat of a police officer's shoes i mean i can't see how you can get a jail sentence for that it's not nice Um, but I suppose the alternative was he could have got a smack up the back of the head. But, um, yeah, a lot of these offences where people are put into jail are nuisance offences. But by the same token, a lot of protesters have got out of hand. So I don't know what um, the answer is to it. I think 50,000 is too extreme. Um, Ardith's point about um, legislators not reading the legislation. That's what they have advisers for. Unfortunately, the government of the day has said they can have less advisers. So um, the advisers are supposed to read the when I work for a senator, uh, the advisers are supposed to read the legislation or the bill that's been put forward and report back to the senator or the MP. However, now that they've cut down the amount of advisors and um, that they have, it's not always possible. So some of this legislation is three or four hundred pages long. Okay, it's ambiguous language. All legislation, if, even when it's passed, is ambiguous. If you read it, it can be interpreted in a lot of ways.
1: Um, and and we are bound by it. They can say, well, look, we don't have time to write, read it. We've got an advisor. But you and I are bound by every single one of those pages, expected to know. Well, I know we're not technically expected to know, but we are technically expected to understand every one of those pages. And it's 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 just bullshit. It
2: is bullshit because they're telling us that the legislators don't have the time to read all the bills that they pass, but we as the general public who are presumably less educated should be able to understand and read all this legislation
0: because yep. the law is not a defence. I think what, what, like, what bothers me about this is that, you know, you've given some examples of seriously disrupting protests, right? And normally, generally speaking, uh, a lot of these protests aren't like, um, like they don't start with that a huge escalation. You know, they they normally do something smaller. It doesn't get any attention. No one gives a crap. So then they escalate and they glue themselves to the Story Bridge, or you know, abseil. I think in in South Australia they were abseiling off uh, a bridge located near one of the major hospitals, and then that caused disruptions to. Or, or potentially could cause disruptions to um, ambulance services and stuff like that. And that's kind of the excuse that's often given. Oh, well, an ambulance couldn't get through. Um, someone might die because an ambulance would have to be rerouted or, or, or something like that. That That's often the lawmaker's like, reasoning behind why penalties are so harsh and, and things like that. Um, But, and look, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm specifically on the side of the protesters here, but I feel like often if you're protesting something, causing a disruption is kind of the point. You want people to, uh, listen to what you have to say and 90% of people are too busy trying to get to work, uh, and they don't care what you have to say because they're not interested because they're focused on their everyday lives. So, if you're a protester that's protesting something, let's say, like um, climate change or something like that, or climate change in action or something like that, gluing yourself to the story bridge kind of is the whole point because then you get the, uh, obviously, the, the media coverage, you disrupt people's day, everyone's talking about it. Like, that's the whole point of the protest, Right. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it, but that's kind of the point of the protest. Um, Of course, the government isn't going to allow you to do that sort of massive disruption. That's the point of these laws, is if you do disrupt, you do make a point, you do basically get your message across, then you're going to get smashed with a fine. I I should also say the minimum fine is $750, which used to be the maximum. So. The maximum the minimum is now the old maximum and the new maximum is basically unfortunately like I said a lot of these guys don't necessarily have anywhere else to be or maybe don't have a job or something like that. So they're not gonna be able to pay these these fines anyway. And is that really gonna um you know, is that really gonna stop people? Or is that these people that are, you know, somewhat I don't want to say radicalised, but maybe have a bit more of an, an extreme personality. Is that really going to make them reconsider gluing themselves to the story bridge or abseiling off, off Sydney Harbour Bridge or, or something like that? I don't think so. But what it is going to do is um, sort of reinforce their more extreme behaviours. Like I said, locking someone up for three months is not good for anyone and it's certainly not good for the taxpayer because – now you have to pay for that person as well.
2: That was always one of my main concerns when I was a prison officer, you know, the fact that we're paying something like a ridiculous amount of something like about $5,000 a day to keep one person in jail, similar to the offshore detention. Um, we were paying a hell of a lot more. Um, I don't really see the point in it, you know. Um, um, one time... Um, Pull disclosure, at one time I had this community service for a protest I did in Aboriginal rights. And um, they said, oh, What do you want to do? They gave me a choice. This is 20 odd years ago, well, actually about 30 years ago. Um, I said, Can I go and work for the church? Yeah, no worries. So, enough they sent me, so I went and worked for the church for, um, I think I had to do four days or five days or something. So,
1: and yeah, and what you're talking about there is uh, some sort of imagination.
2: Yeah, but this crap about, um, you know, sending people to jail for protests, I don't see the point. It's costing the government a lot of money. Um, but I do sort of see, yeah, uh, when we have protests that all over into full-on fisticuffs and things like that, Uh, Something has got to be done and we have seen that in um, several states in this year alone, um, where certain speakers from overseas come in and and cite um, certain left wing and right wing and I won't say it's all the right wing, Um, it takes two to get into a fight, Um, you know the left wing are just as responsible for fighting back. Okay. when I was a prison officer, if somebody wanted to punch me, I'd just say, "Ah, oh, okay, just start uh, give me a minute to go and have, go to the toilet if I'm not back in five minutes, start without me.
3: Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, this way it's around it sort of thing that um you know, and generally the prisoner would have just ah oh, you wake up <laughs> and walk off, okay. So um it's it's communication skill sets. Um, yeah. unfortunately, not everybody has those communication skill sets.
1: <laughs> no, look, that's true. I do, I do understand that. And I do understand it's not a black and white issue. There is, there is nuance. You know, if you ask me, am I in favour of people um, blocking a freeway at 7am to stop people going to work? No, no I'm not. No, I'm not 100% sure what the solution is. But that's why I made that comment about imagination. Let's look for something else other than a a bloody bigger, a bigger stick. You know, you can, you can, let's, let's sort of explore ways. Well, there's two things. Let's explore ways of rather than just use a bigger stick. And also, as we see in these number of things, you, you use that example of, uh, yeah, fisticuffs breaking out. There's enough laws on the books to be able to do something with that. We don't need more laws by bloody grandstanding politicians who are just pandering to people who've been ginned up by the media to be baying for some sort of solution and thinking that these freaking bureaucrats handing out harsher penalties are actually solving the problem.
2: I don't think it's solving the problem by handing out harsher penalties to the protesters. it's
3: not.
2: the ones that should be handing out the um, penalties, too, are the ones that incite the protests. Uh, like we've had a lot of foreign speakers come in here in recent months um, preaching hate, preaching um, all sorts of wonderful things like tra- anti-transgender, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, anti-gay rights, um, anti-climate change things like that. Yeah, climate change, I couldn't care less about that. Yeah, you know, this transgender thing and um, gay rights and that. Um, I'm in favour of um, transgender rights. I'm in favour of gay rights. Um, yeah, yeah, I used to, my best mate was a gay bloke and I used to love going to the bar with him, you know, because uh, people, women didn't feel threatened by him, so yeah, we had all but
3: this... Can't, can't,
1: can't you be in, in favour of, um, you know, r- transgender rights and gay rights as well in favour of people putting forward their point of their point of view. Yeah you know, I, I tend to feel it falls into the hate speech side but the problem is as soon as you start having these freaking committees of bureaucrats bureaucrats deciding who can or can't come into the country as a preemptive uh, attack Whoa. against Whoa. potential hate hate speech players the sorry they did it to one of
2: the tennis players didn't they?
1: Well, that was that was also that was also insane and ridiculous, and unfortunately, people are just rolling over and accepting this, and we keep going down this path that was set forty five years ago, uh, or you know maybe it's forty six now. I can't re- remember eighty five, whatever that, whatever that makes it. But I think two things can be true at the same time: you can support the rights of people to be how they want to be but you can also support the rights of people to speak what they want to speak, however hateful that may be, because the value of freedom and free speech is so significant that we have to grant it to those people that we despise.
2: So if Xi Jinping was to come into the country and tell everybody to turn against Australians, you'd think that was all right?
1: I would support Port that and protest against it.
2: Yeah. Okay, so somebody like Jordan Peterson comes in the country, world-renowned psycholo- psychologist. Okay, he's Dr. Jordan Peterson, by the way. He's a professor, um, actually. Yeah, okay, he's a professor, so higher up than a doctor. Um, so somebody like Jordan Peterson comes in here who knows how to push people's buttons.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: deliberately... Use this language that's going to incite a riot, um, and it has. Um, you think that's okay? Uh,
1: I think you should be accountable. Yes, I, do. I do. Well, he, he, there might be some argument for some accountability I can I can see that argument but yes I think that's okay I mean God imagine imagine if someone came in here to the the country and published a whole lot of pamphlets saying that uh, Australia should be sending um, billions of, of dollars and hundreds of somebody else's children to fight a war based on a lie I mean God imagine if something like that happened uh, Iraq! rock they know it happened. Yeah. Okay, so we,
2: we don't have the most perfect politicians in the world, but uh, to be fair... they're
1: uh, well, damn sight freaking uh, worse than someone like Jordan Peterson. They're, they're, they're liars and spenders of blood and coin and deserve to be despised in so many occasions. Well, this
2: is a trouble when you have sort of non-qualified people get elected into parliament. Unfortunately, that's the way a democracy yep. works. Yep
0: the problem uh, the problem i see here is and you know this was brought up by a number of um a number of lawyers the south australian bar organisation mentioned this as well it feels like the the new legislation is not just anti democratic but it it's going to stop a lot of people a lot of you know Joe blogs average kind of people that aren't the more radicalized more extreme kind of protesters these aren't the bleeding heart kind of people these are the oh i've heard you know there's something going on and i i'm going to come down and i'm going to i'm going to you know show my face and support the cause and that kind of stuff it's going to stop a lot of those people from turning up hmm. You know, because now they're afraid that if they turn up, because remember, specifically in this legislation, it says you can indirectly obstruct a public place. So does that mean if I'm just standing there with a sign saying, you know, stop killing the planet, that I'm going to get locked up with a minimum a minimum fine of $750? Exactly.
1: Um, you only to have to me, make an example of somebody there.
0: Exactly, and that to me is probably the worst part about this. I'm not. I'm not. As much as I said before, you know, I think the point of these protests and the point is to be disruptive to get their message out there. I don't necessarily support that, but that's the point of these these sort of protests, and that's what the government is, this this particular government is trying to stop. And what I don't like about that is, like you mentioned, Adi, this is a bit of a slippery slide. The fact that this went through the lower house of the South Australian parliament in less than an hour means every single person either knew what this bill entailed or didn't care and was towing the party line. Every single one of them. Just straight through. Um. And then in the upper house, it took over fourteen hours of continuous and vigorous debate. So the upper house was clearly uh, more upset and stressed about exactly what was going on in this bill. And to be fair, as much as we constantly uh, shit on the Greens, it was the Greens and South Australia's best. I'm not. I'm not uh, super familiar with it, with SA best, um, but it was those two parties that at least put some amendments, in, you know, in writing and wanted to get things changed. Um, because for our Americans that are listening, you can't, basically, once the, once the bill is in the upper house and it's going to go through, there's not really much they can can do to stop it. The Greens have said, South Australian Greens have said that they're, they're already looking to repeal this piece of legislation, but let's be honest, it's unlikely that they're going to be able to do that. Um, uh, this is going to be a really interesting one moving forward about how this law is applied and whether, because the scope is so broad, whether this law is going to be applied into situations that don't include, uh, you know, these more extreme examples that they've been using and we've been using so far about like purposely disrupting traffic, basically basically causing a riot, that kind of thing. This law is so broad that it could be used for a lot of things and that really rubs me the wrong way as yeah. much as I don't like people coming in and your example before uh, Panda Bear about Jordan Peterson coming in and inciting a riot I don't specifically have a problem with someone like Jordan Peterson coming to Australia and, and talking however he's not free of the consequences of what he did. and I don't think that that should be free speech doesn't mean you're free of the consequences of what you say it means that you're free to say them and I think that's really important. That's a really important distinction. We're not going to stop you from having a speech, but you're going to be held liable for the things that you say and what happens after them. And yeah. I think that's really important. That's a really important distinction. And you're right, RD. Things that go to committee are seemingly like just become warped and destroyed and lose their original... Uh, uh, sort of energy and creativity and all of that. And I, I actually heard a really, really good quote the other day and I immediately thought of you and it was, uh, a platypus is a duck designed by a committee.
1: <laughs>
0: and I th- I have heard I th- that
1: one and I like that one and it's spot on.
0: It's perfect because this, this law is... is oh, this is to me... This whole story says to me that the Premier of South Australia has been working in the background with both major parties to craft a law that they're going to push through very quickly, very quietly, to clean up what they see as a problem. And that, to me, screams uh, basically an oversight Mm -hmm. in trust. Uh, They're breaching the democratic process Mm -hmm. and... They're trying, as much as they're saying that they don't want to lock people up, that's what they want to do. They want to quietly remove the protesters and get rid of them. And now people go, you know, other people are also going to go, oh, don't be silly. You know, this law is going to only be used in specific circumstances. But what about if the next government isn't as uh, lenient?
1: Oh, 100%. That's Right? You've, you've nailed it with that.
0: What about if we get a a Donald Trump esque pseudo-dictator of South Australia?
1: Joe Biden.
0: (laughs) Or the Joe Biden or or any of them. You know, do, do we have a South Australian Hitler hanging in the wings ready to take charge? And I know this sounds ridiculous. I completely understand that. But the point is that you can't come in with these broad changes like this when everyone, including the Bar Association of your state, is saying, hey, listen, this isn't such a good idea, and pass it and think nothing is going to come, you know, no negative consequences are going to come.
2: Okay, there's a third chamber of government as well and also the fourth estate. Um, So uh, these laws can be passed by the lower house and the upper house, the Senate and everything, but they've got to be tested in court, so... Uh, we saw under the LNP government um, with the refugee laws, for example, um, where they're saying, no, they can't come back to Australia because we've passed laws, they can't come back from Nauru or in And the High Court, the Federal Court, turned around and said, yes, they can. Yep. And they said those laws are illegal. So we do have, you know, that third avenue, um, They can say laws are actually illegal, even though the parliament passes them. So none of these laws have been tested in in, um, court yet. Um, I would like to think that (laughs) (laughs) judges—I stress—I would like to think (laughs) that judges are more highly educated than um, (laughs) a lot of politicians and they don't necessarily say that laws automatically have any validity. So in quite a lot of cases, they don't say. It remains to be seen, I think. Um, the fourth estate, the media. Um, we do have some reasonable media in Australia, The Guardian and SBS, for example, um, seem to make a big well,
1: reasonable to a degree. Well...
2: Um, you Know, I've lived in China and the media over there is a lot less reasonable,
1: well, so that's a, yeah. Look, compared to that, uh, yeah, fair enough.
2: Yeah, I've been in North <laughs> yeah. Korea, I managed to get out alive, that was good. Um, so oh. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't actually supposed to be there, I got there by mistake, but that's a different story. I'll turn ah, it took a
0: wrong turn, hey?
2: <sighs> ah, took a wrong plane. Um, <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> I couldn't read the Chinese, you know, it's, it's in Beijing, and I thought it said, yeah, my Chinese are not good, I thought it said, "Yeah, know, um, sunshine, so, but apparently it said um, Pyongyang, um, anyway, that's <laughs> my... <laughs> so anyway, um, they just put me on another plane and sent me back, so, oh, I got oh to... you
0: got lucky, you got lucky, yeah.
2: Oh, I'm a very handsome man, a very personable. Um, <laughs> my wife doesn't agree, but um, anyway. Um, so, um, anyway, that's beside the point. So we we do have um, a lot fairer government here in Australia, even with the LNP, I hate to say, but then we do have a lot of other countries, um, even in recent times um, in America. Okay, I'm um, not saying anything bad against America, but... Um, yeah, you know, they try their best, but, you know, I think their political system is a lot worse than ours these days. Um, we have one of the most stable political systems in the world. Unfortunately, we do have these fuckwits that come along. And, yeah, I'm oh, sorry, I won't say fuckwits, I shouldn't say fuckwits. Um, so these are assholes that come along and create mischief and protests. And the politicians are at um, a bit of a wit's end um, about how to deal with this because most of them are not lawyers, they're accountants or they're everyday working people. Uh, Even the ones that are lawyers usually become politicians because they're not very good lawyers. Um, yes, yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, this is why we have the courts, and it gets to the courts and the courts decide whether it's reasonable or whether it's not. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the politicians of recent times have tried to make things mandatory in legislation, and that's where the real problem lies. If the legislation, if the penalty is a mandatory, and yeah, I'm against that. You know, it should be left up to the discretion of the judges if the judge is awake at the time when he's hearing the case, uh, have been in court before where the judges dozed off to sleep. Um, so um, the main thing we have and is the fourth estate, the media, whom for some reason politicians seem to think the media are not going to report about things.
3: Yeah.
0: And they've been all <laughs> over this, including us, of course.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've even seen, like, um, in the Murdoch
2: media, the, um, you know, things that have been critical of stuff that Labor, uh, Liberals have done. Um, not often, but they do do it sometimes. Okay, and then, you know, that the Liberals are really fucked up. <laughs> so yes. even if Rupert says... Yeah, this is not good. Well, not that Rupert would actually tell his editors and journalists what to write. Sorry, I don't believe that. Um, so we do have, yeah, you know, checks and balances in Australia when politicians do make bad
0: laws. You know, we have yeah, court, we have the media and we have a vote. Of course, and. and uh, like this is this is one of those situations where you know it really shows the strength of our system if we can if we do repeal these sort of laws or the courts turn around and say no you can't do that the the High Court of South Australia is really going to be the the arbiter of mm-hmm. of how this goes but as it should be. yes as it should be but all that said mm-hmm. I still think it's a terribly shitty law put in for reasonably shitty reasons, and I don't like it. I think it's undemocratic. I think it's a real problem. And I, quite frankly, I'm disappointed in South Australia. As we've, do, as we've established on this podcast, they have been <laughs> the most progressive state in the past. Yep. Uh, and, and now I'm going to – that title is gone uh, South Australia, you are now the most regressive state. You've you've fallen from the top and hit your head on every branch on the way down. And I don't like that. I expect more from South Australia. But hopefully, you know, as I like to say, watch this space. Things may the uh, things will definitely develop in this, and I'm sure. The media uh, will report how this goes once it is applied and we may revisit this depending on exactly how that goes.
1: Well, let's hope. Especially if it, it fails, like Missouri. For our South Australian yeah.
0: freedoms. Exactly,
2: exactly. I'm going to my beat here. I'm going to say something. Um, this is one thing uh, prior to the budget when things were leaked out, um, accidentally, of course, because Labor would never leak things out to get public opinion. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so um, when things were leaked out and the media went against it and public opinion went against it, they changed things before the budget came out. Okay? So in that respect, to a certain respect, Labor is listening to what the people say. We didn't get this with the LNP government, they'll leak things out to get people ready for what was going to happen, and then they just did it, even what no matter what public opinion was. Okay, so I think we do have um, with Labor and some of the state Labor governments that they did leak things out, in this particular case, um, I think it would have been wise to leak it out first and see what public opinion was before they it through it and out. That's just my opinion of it. Um, I I think they could have done better. It seems to show a a certain political immaturity that they didn't test public opinion. When you jump in the water, you put your foot in the water first and you um, see whether it's too cold to jump in or not. Well, I do anyway. Um, And it's too cold. I think, stuff this,
0: I'm going back to get some Forex. (laughs) Oh. Speaking of it being too cold, here's a weather update for everybody. Uh, We're being warned to brace for storms and hail for the rest of this week, basically across most of the southeast of the country. Uh, Over the next week, residents in every state and territory have been warned to brace for storms, powerful winds, and possible hail. So be careful. Keep an eye out for your fallen power lines. And, of course, call triple zero if you need assistance. All of that said, there is a growing likelihood of uh, La Niño with the Bureau of Meteorology predicting low rainfall and above average temperatures in its long-range forecast. So, if you have a rainwater tank, collect as much as you can over the wet weather over the next week as we're likely going to have a warm, dry spring and winter. But remember, with warmer days... Uh, warmer winter days, it does increase the risk of frost where the nights, uh, nice still nights that are clear of ca- cloud cover. Basically, all the heat just goes out into space. <laughs> so, um even though we may have a warmer winter which i'm very very pleased to hear uh we may there is a significantly increased frost risk so act accordingly be mindful uh be careful over the next week cuz they have predicting some of these areas are going to get it's going to get pretty wild um and then nice warm weather so that is a great uh after a really depressing horrible first topic a very short Lovely, great news for our segment topic, uh, and I think it might be time for this week in Australian history, Panda Bear. I what was has just, go-
1: just going to to say just before we go to this week in uh, Australian history, I have um, I actually have macadamia trees that they're only a couple of years old and an avocado tree planted down here. Yeah, this far south, uh, according to Diggers Club uh a, a sort of respected uh gardening place uh they will eventually grow and produce fruit but while they're young uh for the next few years i'm covering them against the the frost so uh my my macadam my three macadamia trees and my one uh avocado tree are wearing little um netting hats at the the, the moment uh, so I'm, I'm prepared for the I'm prepared for the frost and hopefully in about five years or so I'll actually be telling you about some fruit that I'm getting
0: oh fantastic we macadanias grow natively in this yes. area uh, yes, and
3: that.
0: yeah and uh, and I don't have any on my property, but lots of my friends have them and they've recently been fruiting. Uh, and uh, I've I've been given a few bags, and uh, oh, I'll tell you what. Nice. Well, if you don't have the nutcracker tool to crack them open, it's like smashing a rock. You have to be, you have a lot of forces required, but also you don't want to completely crush it, of course. So, uh, it it is a bit of finicky to to open up. But I'll tell you what, there's nothing like freshly roasted, uh, home roasted uh, macadamia nuts are absolutely fantastic and. I'm, you know, wish you all the best. Hopefully, the the coming frost doesn't hurt them too much.
1: Well, hopefully not. Look, they get a bit of they get a bit of burn. You know, you can't sort of cover them completely. And as they get bigger, they're going to get left to them cells. But gosh, yeah, the idea of home roasted macadamias. I'll hopefully be telling you a couple of years. So sorry, that was just a quick uh, a, a quick interlude, Panda Bear. I'm sorry. I'll I'll let you get on with that. Uh, hey, you haven't got any oak trees, and
2: that from the acorns from Canberra.
1: I- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Which I have mentioned. Okay,
2: this is uh, supposed to be DK's week to tell what he's done illegal. That is, and uh... that, wasn't,
1: that wasn't illegal. They were simply lying there on the ground. There is no signs up at at all.
2: I bet you, if I look into it, I'm against it.
1: There's probably there's probably some law of which I cannot plead ignorance. <laughs> But one thing that is indisputable is this week in Australian history. Okay.
3: Well,
0: I thought I'll tell you what illegal uh, uh, happenings have been going on in my my youth, uh, seeing as we're all committing, uh, we're all admitting to crimes. I There's a lot of sugarcane and... Pineapple uh, plantations, I guess you'd call them, uh, around where I live. And uh, keeping the theme of uh, botany theft, I have stolen a couple of delicious pineapples. They always taste sweeter when you've committed a crime uh, to get it. And I have also – this isn't really stealing, but when the sugarcane – uh, when they're collecting and cutting the sugarcane, there's always a little bit that falls off the truck or the or the train, you know that sort of thing. Uh, and I've I've often collected up, especially when I was younger, and uh, chewing chewing on the sugarcane on the way home from school. And I'll tell you what, it's bloody delicious, uh, raw sugarcane. Just chewing on it, it's sort of it's it's sort of like somewhere between like bamboo. And it's not, as, it's not as hard as bamboo, but it's very similar to that. Um, and it's just d- disgustingly sweet. Like, yeah, it's delicious. The liquid yeah, is fantastic. Fire, so so. It is quite nice. Yeah. yeah. yeah so never that, done that. Those are my uh, botanist youth crimes. Now, Panda Beer, tell us what's happened in Australian history while I await the police to turn up at my door.
3: Yeah. <laughs> come from a la, 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 la
0: okay we've
2: traced your ip so may 31st 1813 blackson lawson and wentworth arrive at mount blackson having successfully crossed the blue Mountains for the first time and then they said is that all there is and then they headed back to sydney so um 1942 may 31st 1942 during the attack on Sydney Harbour, a Japanese midget submarine sinks a converted ferry HMAS Cutterball, killing 21.
3: Um, yep. A lot of people don't the,
0: remember.
3: The, you <laughs> don't remember
2: that?
0: The, the, the main naval base in Sydney Harbour uh, is now called HMAS Cutterball.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, my brother actually served there. Not during
2: the Second World War, you because know, I'm not that old, but hmm. <laughs> close to it.
0: But anyway. At <laughs> least Yeah, I was based there. Um and uh yeah, lovely place. Lovely great spot. Fantastic. Great view. Yeah. Didn't pay anything for it. Fantastic view.
3: Uh,
0: I grew
2: up in, oh actually I won't say I grew up in Sydney. I went to school in Sydney. Um I'm still waiting to grow up. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of people sort of don't remember that um yeah, the Japanese sort of invaded Australia as well, like Darwin. They got down as far as Melbourne, um, Brisbane. They had the Brisbane line at one stage where the Japanese were going to come in, and they could have as far as three hundred kilometers north of Brisbane. Uh, yeah, which might not have been a bad thing. Um, <laughs> um, Sydney, uh, even around Western Australia. So, the, yeah, yeah. People say, oh. Yeah, Australia doesn't know what
0: war like, but yeah. we were attacked a few times. So. They dropped more bombs on Darwin than they did on Pearl, Pearl, Pearl Harbour. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I didn't know that stat.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they dropped more bombs on Darwin. Darwin was bombed, like, a number of times, but, yeah, they, they actually bombed Darwin <laughs> more.
2: Seven times they bombed Darwin. They kept blowing up the post office and they couldn't get a postmaster general up there. <laughs>
0: No, they couldn't. This is. No, no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't it, laugh because it's not really funny. But it just <laughs> sounds funny when you put it like that. Don't no want to be the postman because they kept getting blown <laughs> up. <laughs> that was to Harbour
2: Communications, you know. That, anyway, okay, let's move on right along. Okay, so first June, eighteen seventy-eight. Oh, another shipwreck. Um, 1878 and the 1st of June, Lockhart, a clipper ship, is wrecked on the Muttonbird Island off the shipwrecked coast of Victoria. Okay, 1948. Oh, this is interesting. The pharmaceutical benefits scheme was introduced by the Australian government to provide subsidised prescription medicine.
1: I thought well, it was. When, when was before. that, did you say? Did you say 1948. 1948. Holy crap. Yeah, that's why, that's why I did a double take.
0: Yeah, it's way, way older than I thought.
3: Yeah.
2: Yep. Okay. Wow. And speaking of old people, Jennifer Hawkins in 2014 won the Miss Universe Contest in Ecuador.
0: In Ecuador. There you go. Yeah, yeah, she became a fairly big celebrity for quite a while, actually, like a bit of a TV personality and everything. She seemed to be everywhere, really.
2: Yeah, she's very tall. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a mate of six foot eight. And he's got a photo next to her, and she's only a little bit shorter than him. So oh wow! Apparently, she's over six foot tall, from what I understand. So yeah,
1: wow. Well, I suppose she, I suppose she would be if she's almost six foot eight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, you want to complete this segment here, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry,
3: okay. Keep going. okay.
2: Um, June first, two thousand five, a letter containing white powder results. In the two thousand and five Indonesian embassy bioterrorism hoax, Um, as a result of that and other hoaxes in Australia, there were actually uh, retrospective laws brought in about sending white powder through the mail, which is probably one of the reasons that um, people use. It's one of the cases that people use to say retrospective laws are okay under Australian law. It is okay. Um, if the person knowing what they did at the time was wrong, even though not technically illegal. So obviously sending white powder through the mail, even though it wasn't illegal at the time, you should have known it was wrong. (laughs) Yeah, you've done it, just to people. Yeah, so um, that was um, um, post-2001, post-9-11. So a lot of this sort of shit was going on all around the world. Yeah, that's right. Okay, June second, eighteen oh two. Pemelway was shot and killed following the killing of four white men at Parramatta and Tungabi. Okay, so um Pemaway was um just trying to think, Bidigal man of the Euro nation. Um he was noted for his resistance to European colonisation, which began with the arrival of the First Fleet in
0: 1788.
1: Arguably um, one of Australia's first uh, freedom fighters, certainly one yeah, of the like, well-known yeah, ones. Yeah, was like a,
0: a guerrilla fighter, really.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, I, I think a lot of Australians even, probably a lot of our international listeners won't know, but I feel like a lot of Australians don't know that there There was a lot of uh resistance and opposition to the occupation of Australia by the british and and you know the Aboriginals just didn't just roll over and just let it happen. There's sort of a myth that they didn't they didn't have any sort of resistance or fought back or anything like that, but they absolutely did
2: yep yeah um yeah the uh, right throughout Australia, there were sort of what we would now call freedom fighters were operating within the Aboriginal community against the white men taking their lands, similar to what happened in America and in Africa. So, um, okay, moving right along. Um,
3: June 2nd, 1965. Which Australian cricketing twins were born?
1: Uh was the War Brothers.
3: Yep.
0: Oh, 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 that's How many cricketing twins are brothers? there? I don't know. I don't do cricket, so I have no idea.
1: <laughs> how, how many what? Sorry?
2: How many cricketing twins are there? Oh,
1: so, God, I was just pleased I got the War brothers. <laughs> no, it's the
2: only that I know of anyway. Mark and Steve War were born. And in 1993,
0: one of the greatest Australians of all time, Edward Weary Dunlop died. Mm. He was famous. He was a doctor that was captured by the Japanese, I think he worked in like the Thai Thai Burma Railway. Yeah, the Burma uh, Railway, so Yeah.
2: Um Okay. June third, nineteen twenty-nine, Fremantle in West Australia was proclaimed a city. Um Yeah, okay, that's exciting. And 1969, the aircraft carrier HMAS Melbourne collided with the destroyer USS Frankie Evans in the South China Sea, killing 74 US sailors, which was a
0: big thing at the time. So, yeah, should... it's still... Carrier, um, wasn't it? it Yeah, it, it's still taught uh, at, uh, in the Royal Australian Navy, it's still something that's, like, taught and... Uh, you know how it happened and and how it how um how to avoid it and all that kind of stuff. Interestingly, can you, can you
1: give us a quick? I mean, that's this that's your that's your wheelhouse. Without derailing it too much, can you give us a, just a quick thing on how the hell two massive boats like that can collide and collide so enormously?
0: Yeah. So, interestingly enough, it was actually HMS Melbourne's. Second collision. Um, she she collided with the HMS Voyager uh, a few years earlier. Uh, the basically, long story short, without getting like complicated about yeah, yeah. exactly what happened, ships uh, are really slow in in terms of like how they turn and and move, and you can't necessarily um, maneuver it particularly quick, quickly. Uh, and the USS Frank Evans uh basically drove straight into the path of HMS Melbourne uh during uh they were doing uh, an exercise uh it was it was at night it wouldn't have happened during the day uh it was at night and uh, they were doing an exercise in the South China Sea, and because it was at night, and they were at sort of like action stations, everything's blacked out. They yeah. basically just the 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 destroyer the HMS Melbourne was an aircraft carrier, and it was a, a particularly large ship, and you know these they, they can't move particularly yeah. quickly. And basically, the Frank E Evans drove straight in front of it, turned. To avoid it, but basically, as he t- as it turned, it turned completely broadside. So the HMS Melbourne basically t-boned it and effectively chopped it in half. So um,
3: this, is the,
0: this is one of the problems that um, America and
2: Australia and other countries have with um, Chinese ships in the South China Sea. The South China Sea, cutting in front of them all the time.
3: Mm-hmm. Same with
0: aircraft as well. Exactly. There's got to be a miscalculation one day and then we have big problems. Exactly. So the 74 sailors that died on the Evans, uh, so the, the whole bow of the USS Evans was basically cut off and the vast majority of the 74 sailors that died were in the bow section, either sleeping in their quarters or basically trapped inside the bow section, uh, which immediately sank. Like, unfortunately, those those poor poor blokes were never getting out. Um, HMS Melbourne deployed, you know, life rafts and boats and all sorts of stuff to try and save as many people as they could. Uh, and and from and what we learn about this is, you know the the drills that we learn about recovering people from the from the water, as well as how to stop the ship from flooding, worked exceptionally well on the HMS Melbourne, and the HMAS Melbourne, even though it completely cut another ship, not in half, but, like, it cut through it and completely chopped off the bow, um, it, it stayed seaworthy and uh, didn't sink, the HMS Melbourne, and the rear section of the USS Evans also didn't sink, even though it was completely missing its bow, because the sailors acted and were able to save the rest of the ship. So it's sort of a horrendous tragedy, but at the same time, it is a massive victory for the skills that the sailors were taught.
3: Oh. Mm.
2: Yeah, I remember that one, actually. I was about eight years old at the time, I think. Uh, anyway, moving on from my age. Um, in 1991, Paul Keating made his first leadership challenge for the Australian Labor Party, and Bob Hawke beat him by 66 to 44 Kitty resigned his treasurer the same day, uh, said there was no bad blood, and then came back a little while later as Prime Minister. So, hmm. In 1992, on June 3rd, Barbo versus Queensland was decided in the High Court of Australia making irrelevant the doctrine of terra nullius and recognising the existence of native title land rights. Um, I believe... It's a huge um, deal. Yeah, I'm not going to make any Peter Dutton jokes about him walking out
0: on it. But- no, <laughs> well, actually, interestingly enough, and uh, I have another naval uh, uh, connection to this. M- Marbo's grandson and I served in the Royal Australian Navy together.
3: Huh?
0: Yeah, I was that- like, wait, I-, I was like, you're not related to that Marbo, are you? And he was like, yeah, 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 he's my granddad. I was like, holy crap! So oh. that'd be pretty cool. cool. That'd you get yeah.
2: Actually,
3: you had to school saying
0: my granddad's Eddie Oh, that'd be cool yeah. yeah to be fair like he didn't really want to talk about it I think he kind of wanted to you know he wanted to run his own race and do his own thing because yeah. um, we were all like holy crap and then he was just like yeah it's not a big deal like you know that's his granddad he was younger than me so he would have been born after this and all that it's right. just part of his life you know so yeah, he's probably heard it he's probably sick of it <laughs> he was probably like yeah. shut up. <laughs> I'm my own person stop you know
2: Okay, so let's move on to June 4th, 1629. Another shipwreck. The Batavia struck a reef on Beacon Island off the Western Australian coast part of the Hootman Obra loss. I can't even pronounce that. Um, so 1629 was the first recorded shipwreck in Australia. Uh, off the Western Australian coast. Was that what, the one
1: what? that they ended up, uh, a, a few of them survived on the island and there was just almost a Lord of the Flies type situation, or am I getting confused with another shipwreck story? I'm not sure about that one, but they all were
0: pretty well nasty people on the Batavia. W- were they Were they Dutch? Uh, oh, they weren't they were English, surely, in 1629. Um. I've googled it. The Dutch East India Company. So yeah, they were, they were Dutch. Yeah,
2: yeah. So uh,
0: apparently
2: they were pretty well murderers and cutthroats, anyway. So, um, but that was the first recorded shipwreck in Australia. Uh, of course, the Chinese said that they had shipwrecks earlier in the, back in the um, twelve hundreds. Nineteen twenty-four, June fourth. The first human voice was successfully transmitted from London to Australia from Marconi's Experimental Station. Oh, that's cool. And in 1985, on June 4, Melbourne celebrated
0: its 150th anniversary. Yeah, so, but it was, no, it was no Expo ADA. Nah, well, Expo ADA. <laughs>
2: Classic. So, you know... All Australia should stand in awe of Expo 88, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I don't know, I care if everybody reckons Joe's an old prick or whatever. You know, he put Brisbane on the map. Anyway, um, Melbourne did have an Olympic, sort of. Um, but you know, Brisbane's had an Olympics as well, so
3: that's
2: a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, June 4th, in China, just getting away from Australian history, Tiananmen Square. Ten
1: thousand.
2: Oh yeah. So anyway, I just thought sort i of chucked it in because my anti-China sort of thing. So that's it.
1: Oh, fair enough. You have you you have editorial privilege on the podcast.
3: Okay, so June fifth, um, nineteen eighty-eight.
2: Kay Cotty completed the first single-handed, non-stop circumnavigation of the world by a woman. Yeah, she just turned around one day and she said, Hey, Mum, I'm
0: going sail and we'll be back later. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Cotties' cordial day. are named after her. No, I don't think so. I no. No. No, 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 no.
2: <laughs> My dad picks a fruit that goes to <laughs>
3: Um
1: Well, depending on how you calculate it, she only really sailed a couple of meters.
0: Oh. <laughs> um, and, of course, Jessica Watson, I think, was inspired by her as well, who who was a young youngest Australian, Australian. The youngest. Yeah, yeah. She, I think she was 16 or something, wasn't it? 15, yeah. 16? Yeah, 16. She's the youngest person to,
2: to circumnavigate the world. So. Hmm. um Yeah. And 2002 on June 5th, actress Gwen Plum dies. Uh, this is from my age group. Maybe younger people don't know who Gwen Plum was, but yeah. she's quite a famous actress. I've well, got to say, actor now, don't you? You're not allowed to say actress.
1: Was she? Yeah. Was she also in? Um, she wasn't in Number Ninety Six, was she? Early on. Gwen Plum. Um, I mean, she was sort of like a little bit of a Dorothy Day, wholesomey type of thing. But some some of them I had know their starts in. in
2: I don't think she's number 96, she's in The Young Doctors,
1: Ah, um,
2: Neighbours, Everybody was in Neighbours.
1: No, I think The Young Doctors is the one, I I don't know, I'm getting The Young Doctors confused with number 96, but you know. And
3: and Home and Away for a while, yeah, so,
2: yeah, I don't think- Everyone was in Home and Away. Everybody was in Home and Away and Neighbours, so. There's been so many people started off international stardom from home and away and neighbours, you know, like Guy Pearce, uh, you Kylie know, Yeah, everybody has sort of become international started off in one of those two soap operas, and they've both been running for about 30 years. Mm. Um, anyway, we'll get to June 6th. June 6th is a special day in Queensland's history. In it AG- is a special day. In 1859, the colony of Queensland is established by decree of Queen Elizabeth II. Ah, no, Queen Victoria, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I know Elizabeth was around for a long time, but not that long. Um, uh, And in 1999, Sydney Swans player Tony Lockett became the highest goal
0: kicker in Australian rules football.
2: And
0: I think that record still stands, does it, DK? I have no it? idea. I don't really watch AFL, so. Yeah, I know it's a sport, but um,
1: it's just. Oh, look, I, I have a feeling that it still stands, and I'll qualify that with my, my total lack of knowledge, but I, there was a, and I can't remember the name of the, uh, the Swans player who I think was one or two years ago, the, they all leapt onto the ground uh, to congratulate him, and I'm sorry for him, for him. What his, his name is? I can't remember it. That may well have broken Lockett's record, but uh, if you if you know, let us know either on uh, on Twitter or in the comments uh, on the on the r slash Australian subreddit. I'm always always happy to be corrected, particularly when I'm pulling these stats out of nowhere. Yeah,
2: and. One last one for June sixth, nineteen forty-three. Butter and household linen was rationed during World War Two. Interestingly, because of inflation,
0: nobody can afford butter and household linen these days. Good to say, if you were buying butter in World War Two, you were pretty well off, or you had a farm.
2: Uh, oh, in nineteen sixteen, the RSL was founded. So on June sixth. So, That's a it's a big day for Queensland today. So, happy birthday, Queensland! Oh, happy birthday. Thank you, Queen happy
1: Victoria. Let's, let's let's raise a let's raise a forex to that.
0: I mean, she was pretty happy about it because it is named after her, Queensland. But you know, um, Victoria. I mean, it's a bit unfair. She gets two states named after. Two states named after her, Yeah. Oh, you might have to change it
1: uh-huh. to Kingsland now.
0: Nah. No, No. (laughs) God's God's country, mate. So, speaking of Queensland, I hear there's a 4x being cracked open. What uh, What's the 4x bottle top question this week? Uh, Let me find one here.
2: If someone is referred to as banana bender, where are they from? This is a nice, easy one.
3: I'll oh,
2: refrain, Queensland. I won't yeah. say it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we're talking about banana the fruit.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, oh, yes. yes, we are talking about banana the, the, the fruit. Okay. And, and for, the, for our overseas um, <laughs> listeners, uh, it's, it's, it's basically because of the large production of, Queensland, uh, of bananas in, in Queensland given the appropriate climate.
0: Yeah, far north Queensland, it should be said. It, it, yeah. It's in a very specific area, and unfortunately for our international listeners, mm-hmm. uh, occasionally uh, we get a cyclone come through and basically destroy the entirety of uh, Australia's <laughs> bananas crop,
3: yeah.
0: uh, which is really
2: unfortunate. So That was a pretty lame question, so I have another one about bananas. In which New South Wales town can you find the big banana?
1: Oh, I know this one. Do you do you oh.
0: I can see it in my mind, but I I, I don't know. <laughs> oh. You
2: could actually walk inside
0: and it has a shop in there and everything. <laughs> Is it Coffs Harbour? No. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: okay, <It's> no. Harbour.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, now I, I realise what you're doing now. You're coughing. Yeah, right.
1: Um, <laughs> I was giving you a hint.
0: Yeah. yeah I coughs. get sound affects the harbour. So... <laughs>
2: I <laughs> can't. Okay. Oh, very and good.
0: Great. Very good. So, on that, uh Thank you so much for joining us for another Australia Talks, the official podcast of the r slash Australian subreddit. If you have any feedback or suggestions for topics, please get in touch with us on the r slash Australian subreddit or email us at subreddit at proton.me. Otherwise, join us next week for another episode of Australia Talks. And remember at r slash australian we are australian happy birthday to us all and thank you so much for all your support and listening good night
1: thanks good night pa- thanks panda man see
0: ya yo